you got into business to pursue your passion, not to worry about insurance. But the reality is every business faces risks and you need to make sure that your business is protected. Insurance doesn't have to be complicated and learning some basic risk mitigation principles like how to develop a business continuity plan can go a long way. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. The more you ship, the more you save. With Canada Post Solutions for Small Business, we'll reward your repeat business with automatic savings. Visit canadapost.ca forward slash small business to see how you can start saving up to 34% on shipping in Canada. Building your dream, work-life balance, scaling up, discussing the topics that matter most to entrepreneurs. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you know, one of the great things I love about interviewing amazing rock star entrepreneurs from across the planet is what we learn from them. And that's why I started Go Forth Garage. Go Forth Garage is all about providing you with the resources, the coaching, the mentorship, the programs to help you in your business. Just check us out at GoForthGarage.com. That's GoForth garage.com ladies and gentlemen it's startup canada podcast time and woo, thrilled to have jackie porter on today's show jackie is an award-winning financial planner best-selling author mentor and speaker who has helped thousands of clients keep thousands more of their hard-earned cash in their pocket whoa am i ever excited about this one with 20 years of experience jackie is one of canada's most recognized financial planner her advice and financial strategies strategies have been featured in top financial publications such as Form, Wealth Professional, Investment Executive, Toronto Star, and The Globe and Mail. Many have benefited from her actionable financial advice at business conferences, radio interviews, podcasts, dun, 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 like the Startup Canada podcast show, and television programs such as CBC, Sun News, and BNN. She was also a finalist for the Women of Influence in Wealth Award in 2017 and awarded the 2019 Female Trailblazer in Wealth <laughs> Award. Woo! Rock star for sure. <laughs> Jackie, thanks for being on the show. I can't wait to get into this conversation. Me too. I love talking about money. Yeah, love it. Well, let's say uh, I told you we were going to go off script, and I'm going to do it right away. I love um, it. Okay. Go for it. Why do you love talking about money? You know, I love talking about money because I feel like, you know, in society, we. we we talk about so many other things other than money and you know 
we distract ourselves talking about things like what you know might have happened in our past with our family. Those are really easy conversations for people to have in this culture. I find uh, we can talk about sex, but um, you know, for a number of reasons, we just haven't become as comfortable as a society talking about money. It's almost a bit more taboo than talking about sex, which I find fascinating. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it really is. I mean, that's I mean, when I'm when I'm talking about the power of entrepreneurs in our society i'd zero right into that i said do you know a doctor that works for free no we need money <laughs> in order to make everything we want go forward so we of course should be open and and doing that so so given that uh and we are kindred spirits in that direction what do you want the entrepreneurs to take away from at the end of our conversation well today? there's a bunch of things i mean First of all, I think, you know, the the experience of being an entrepreneur, which I've experienced as well, is, you know, I came into the industry not necessarily to be an entrepreneur. I came in because I love helping people solve problems. And I think a lot of I think a lot mm-hmm. of entrepreneurs relate to that. You know, we we come in with a passion for what we do. We come in to whatever profession we come into, um, you know, trying to solve a problem. And entrepreneurs are great problem solvers. However, you know, a lot of times um, when you come in to this, you know, come into whatever industry you come into as an entrepreneur, you might not necessarily have crunched the numbers. You may not have completely thought through the financial implications of even running a business. And, you know, the problem is a number of entrepreneurs still come into um, becoming an entrepreneur without actually setting up a proper business plan. Mm. That's actually one of the major reasons that small businesses fail. One in five small businesses fail you know, within the first five years. And yes. I really want them to think about all the different hats that you know we wear as a business owner you know and why it's really really important to build a team just so that you can have a team help you think through all of the financial implications that you have and all the decisions that you have to make when you run your business and try to grow your business right on so as an as a as an entrepreneurs that you work with um how do you get their mindset around that how do you bring that i mean you know your business is about money with individuals and so on but this conversation is about the entrepreneur so the entrepreneur let's talk about that entrepreneur that's in their first two to three years of their of their business how do you wrap their mindset around having this conversation and that they need to plan and i'm i'm talking personally now I'm not talking from a business perspective how do you start that conversation well it's how do I have the conversation about them thinking about you know their business and their finances you know I just talk about it I, I, I really try to have that open conversation where you know we we talk about the all the issues around running a business what are all the financial implications around you know running a business so you know it's important to crunch the numbers right it's really mm. important to create that business plan and so we have to talk about it right and and i think the key is making entrepreneurs feel comfortable and that's really my job is making them feel comfortable having those conversations sometimes i'm you know really trying to talk them off a ledge let's look at the numbers okay that's yeah. great that you want to do this let's look at the numbers so let's number crunch if you're starting a business will you have sufficient capital yes to get you started and stay in business this is really important in the first one to three years so yes. important what is it going to cost you to even get your business open right. monthly ongoing costs with associated with the kind of business you're in 
And so, yes. you know, sometimes we're not thinking about things like, you know, rent, supplies, employee costs. If you if you need employees to start your business and your business isn't just going to be you. Yes. The really key million dollar question is how long is it going to take for your business to be profitable? Yeah. And, you know, is there going to be money in the bank to even keep you in business and keep you being able to sustain yourself? So I think my role as an advisor working with entrepreneurs is really to ask them the questions, hold their feet to the fire to help them come up with the answers. Yeah, so 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 you you help them come up with the answers, which is great. And then how do you keep them accountable to the answers that they've given you while you're going through? Because because I can I can honestly I'm just meeting you for the first time, but I can tell that relationships are a key part of your success. So right. how do you how do you maintain that relationship in a way that you keep these entrepreneurs accountable to their answers to their plan when all of this muck is being thrown at them? You know what? We we have to actually build a team. So we need so how I hold them accountable is first of all, I need to know who's all at the table. So let's let's create a, a plan, let's create a team, let's um, have set expectations. So it's let's what's our terms of engagement going to be? I think right. I think entrepreneurs are comfortable with that. They're 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 really wanting to they want clear and clarity around what's the expectation of the relationship. What are you going to offer me and what what am I going to be held accountable to do? So we set those expectations ahead of time and and so if it's let's look at the numbers. Let's meet regularly to look at your numbers to make yes. sure you're where you want to be. Let's let's create the plan and, and have that as our, our baseline. And yes. then if we do better than that, that's great. If we don't do as good as we hope, what's the contingency plan? What's the worst case scenario that we yeah. plan for that? So it's, right. really, it's really documenting that and being intentional about that. Right. And then really, I think the key thing from there is, is having that team, having people around you that can help you because all of the answers, I'm not going to be able to give them on my own. I'm going to mm -hmm. need to work with their accountant, their bookkeeper, um, you know, the the banker if need be. So if we're looking at, you know, one of the, one of the things we were talking about when we were initially when, when we were talking about what are some of the things that entrepreneur needs to get their business running in the first uh, one to three years of their businesses, yeah. they, they need as I said, a business plan. They need to understand their crunch the numbers of what they need for their business, but they also need a personal financial plan to give them clarity on what their assets are, how how much debt they're in, what their net worth is, because all of those things are going to factor into the questions we had before. How long can their business survive without money? You know, right. what are the, what what are their expenses going to be personally and for the business? And love it. And then finally, it's also looking at where are they going to get money from if they run out? Do they have good credit? So, you know, they, they need a budget for the business and a plan. They need mm -hmm. a budget for um, their personal scenario and a financial, personal financial plan so they have clarity on what their personal numbers look like. And then they need to figure out funding. And without good credit, you know, access to credit, that's the first thing. So they need to know their credit score. But they also need to figure out what are the other places they can look for to get funding from. And that's why you yeah. need this team. So the banker might be able to help us with that, um, you know, in terms of the the their tax situation, their financial situation. Are they behind on their taxes and they're trying to get money, you know, for a loan? We're going to yes. need to talk to their accountant and clean up their books. So this is how the team kind of comes in. 
Yeah, I love it. I I, I love I love a whole piece about the uh, the taxes. You know, I've just I was hit with a big personal tax bill last year, and uh, and uh, I was looking for oh yeah, I was looking for a loan, and the guy says you're gonna have to pay off that tax bill first, and you know I paid like three quarters of it's like a couple thousand left, and I'm like I've been a good boy. What do you mean I gotta pay more before I? Can? But you're right. You, these are things that you just don't know that you need to do in order to be successful with your own uh, with your own business planning so i love those you know those little nuances you, you don't expect how do you how do you run your business jackie i mean you know I, you're not the stereotypical financial planner i can tell that so how does someone reach out to you and and how does your relationship work with them from a uh, remuneration perspective how does that how do, how do you make money so I, I i actually charge to do financial plans and it's really right. based on the level of complexity so i have different um really different uh, ways that people can work with me Um, and and typically it's about the the number of documents I have to look at Mm -hmm, Um, and mm -hmm. so that's in a nutshell my model and so uh, people can work with me um, you know depending on what they're trying to achieve around their finances sometimes they just want to look they want someone to tell me they're they want someone to tell them they're okay I'm doing well or sometimes they want to look me to look at everything they want me to look at their personal they want me to look at their corporation they want to make sure financially um because the other problem is that they don't want all their eggs in their business right so how do i build wealth outside of my business in case that contingency plan mm-hmm. has to go into place right yeah, yeah. i love it i love, love it. it um you're a best-selling author tell us about your uh, about your your book writing so my book was really about um, a segment of the market that, um, you know, I have a lot in common with. <laughs> I'm a woman and mm-hmm. I, it's about women who are single by choice or by chance. And, and actually, funny enough, I when I wrote the book, I had some men come out, reach out to me and say, hey, this could be me as well. The person who doesn't know enough about money and my partner leaves me or that's, I get divorced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or I, my partner passes away and I wasn't the one at home in charge of the finances. So it just talks about, you know, the financial implications of being suddenly single, rather by, whether by choice or by chance. And, you yes. know, and how that affects um, a person trying to, you know, really start their life over. What are the, yeah. the financial implications? What are the life implica- lifetime implications? So, you know, the, the really the book was about really encouraging women, but it also encouraging single men to become more involved in the decisions being made at home. And that's why money conversations are so important, right? Yes. Even if you're not the person making the decisions, you need to be kept in the loop as to what's happening. Yeah. It's really, as for entrepreneurs, that's actually something I really um, recommend which is it doesn't matter what financial relationship you're in, whether it's with other financial professionals, financial planners, accountants, your partner at home, you really need to have um, set expectations around what you expect from those financial relationships. Have an understanding of what's going on in those financial relationships. You'd be surprised how many people tell me they talk to their accountant, they have no idea what their accountant is saying. They don't know (laughs) how to read their financial statements. And, you know, they leave a meeting actually feeling actually not um, inspired by what's Mm. going on in their finances and feeling like they don't have any control about what's Mm. happening in their finances. And that can be true for personal relationships and professional relationships. And, and, you know, one of the things I talk to entrepreneurs about a lot is why it's important to be something I call a good advocator. Okay. 
so it's an it's a in in a sense of I got to look after myself in this relationship as well as looking after the business. That's right. So being a good advocator means setting expectations with, you know, in the relationships you're in around finance. So if it's yes. being in a relationship with your accountant, you know, I often say to people, is your accountant a filer of your taxes, or are they um, someone who's actually advising you? I love it. I love it. I love it for all kinds of reasons. Uh, some of them personal. Uh, but Jackie, I, you know, I would think that a lot of people that are listening to our podcast conversation today are business partners. And you talked about expectations uh, just just a second ago. So as partners, when you talk to business partners, what are some expectations that you would put on the table that each one of those partners should have on uh, on the conversation around around finances for their businesses as, as, as entrepreneurs oh this is huge again we we might go into a partnership and it's just like going into a marriage mm-hmm. right nobody wants to talk about the breakup but unfortunately they do happen yes. and you really want to have these conversations when everyone's happy and like <laughs> yeah, good. good point so, yeah So so you want to document, you really want to document the, right from the outset, what you want that relationship to look like. So you need a partnership agreement Mm -hmm. and you need to set the expectation of, okay, what are my expectations? Are you the person who's going to be running the business? Am I going to be the investor? Let's say if that's the Mm -hmm. kind of relationship you have with your business partner, um, or are you the person who's doing the business development and I'm the person managing the business? What are the expectations and what are the financial implications? Does that mean you're 50-50, 60-40? It needs to be written down because later on, as the business grows and develops, develops and you're trying to have um, additional conversations or you're having follow-up conversations and you never set expectations in the beginning, that's when things start to fall apart. Yeah, I love that. And I love that. You know, and do you, do, you rec- do you recommend revisiting the uh, the agreement you have on a regular basis? A hundred percent. Just ask, you know, I'll give you a really um, timely example. Just ask Jeff Bezos, yes. right? Who he just divorced from his wife, and they both had the most expensive divorce in the world. And you know, during the course of their marriage, because you know, one of the things I also talk about, um, you know, the top three reasons why um, people, uh, you know, never financially recover from a circumstance doesn't have to do with the markets. It has to do with losing your job or your business, um, divorcing or um, ha- having an illness, which we're going to talk about a little bit more in a second. But the, the reason I bring that up is a, a business partner like Jeff Bezos, his business, him and his wife are business partners, right? right. As the business was growing, he never had a conversation about who should own what. Should mm. should we limit what you own, especially as the business, you know, started the, the share value started to double and triple, mm-hmm. you know, and then they went public. He didn't have those conversations. So mm. entire business was fair game when it was sold, right? Yeah, yeah. That's true yeah. for any business partner you have, whether it's your wife, your you know family member, friend that comes into the business, because as the business grows, is the person, the two people coming in, bringing the same value as time goes on. And how do you have that conversation later on if you never addressed it right from the beginning? 
Yeah, so let's talk about the illness piece that you just referenced. I think that's incredibly interesting uh, with all those things. You know, with one of my business relations, I went out for three months on dep- with depression. So how do you how do you navigate that conversation? You know, you, you kind of have to have these kinds of clauses in your business, right? So you kind of, again, talk about those things right from the outset. If someone is ill, so you could have that all in your partnership agreement. Does, does, does mm-hmm. your business partner have first right of refusal to buy you out if something happens mm. how would they fund that what do you have in place for that you might have well mm. you might as well when you set up a partnership agreement very similar to a marriage contract that you yeah. put in there all of these things right like a prenup or a postnup you put into the things these worst case scenarios that you don't want to happen but if they happen you have a plan for that the right. worst time to talk about it is when you're already in that situation. Oh, yeah. Emotions, emotions. I'm sure you see the emotions just pour through when people don't have those type of agreements in place. Yeah, absolutely. And so and so that's why I'm you know so passionate about money conversations because they affect every single aspect of our lives, our personal relationships, um, our personal financial relationships, and our business financial relationships as well. I mean, it, it kind of seeps into everything, which is probably why people avoid wanting to talk about it. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, is it, you know, the Jeff Bezos situation, this guy's just surrounded and his wife, in fairness, is surrounded with all this money all the time. And yet they get caught up in this situation that they never had that discussion. And you'd say, of course they would, because they, they've got so much. And, uh, but it reinforces your point is that we don't have it. We're okay to talk about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but not money. That's right. It's crazy. It's funny, and nobody's offended. Nobody's offended talking about sex, drugs, no. and rock and roll. But start asking, like I start asking you, how yeah. much you make, how much tax pay. You're gonna look at me like, how yeah. dare you? How dare yes, you seriously, this everybody gets all embarrassed <laughs> with it. Um, one of the th- one of the things that I and we're gonna get back to. I want to get back to profitability in in a bit. But uh, you talk about marriage contracts and so on. I, I'd like you to talk to our audience uh, about the 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 terminology shotgun clause. Right. So can you explain what that means from a partnership perspective? If you're not getting along, you've got a shotgun clause in place. How does it work? Yeah. So a, a, shot, a shotgun clause is, is basically just, it really gives everybody an out, right? And that's really key because it, it it's, an, it's a way to exit out of, you know, an agreement without... It's a conversation you don't want to have at the time, and it just means it gives the partner an opportunity to sell shares, just kind of like what we were talking about before, and a situation where you, if somebody had an illness, the clause is already there to say, in a scenario like that, you can you can actually buy the shares. You're the first person who can buy the shares from your partner in a scenario where um, there's there's a specific situation that happens. So the shotgun clause just allows that forced sale, that ability to buy shares of your partners or or um, whoever shareholder is in in that business. So it just really yeah. gives it really gives. And so shotgun clauses are important in a partnership agreement. And again. You want to have this this kind of um, you want to have this kind of clause in an agreement just so that you have um, these worst case scenarios looked at. Well, and you know one of the reasons that uh, I had a shotgun clause in one of the businesses that I was involved with, and uh, calling it completely out, the reason we had those shotgun clauses in there were uh, for that situation, but also uh, the oppor- the situation we we added in. we didn't want each other's wives 
uh, assuming the shares that uh, that uh, we had in the in the business. We didn't want to work with them. We only wanted to work with each other. So another reason, and then this isn't a male female thing. It's no, just, not at all. That's a person we didn't want to hang out with well, in our business. So we set it up that way. Well, it, again, and, and you can have that in the in the agreement. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what I mean about a worst case scenario. So we were talking about illness, but another worst case scenario is death. Right. Right. So if you if you give people an opportunity to buy the shares out of forced so that, you know, you don't have a scenario where, as you said, um, a spouse, whether male or female, can kind of come in and decide, no, 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 I want to assume those shares. It's already in the contract that says I can assume I can buy those shares out from the deceased shareholder or from the ill shareholder. It just means Mm -hmm. less conflict. At the time right. when you don't really want it, and and typically right. legal fees, you don't necessarily want to spend money on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it, um, Jackie. Can you talk about profitability? And it's you know I, I I I I always used to get so annoyed at these lists of these companies that were on the the the, the, the best companies. And they had, were creating all kinds of revenue and people were just loving them, but their bottom line sucked. In other words, they were losing money all over the place. It's not how much money you make, it's how much money you, you keep. And that's, that's the fun part. That's actually true. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about personal finance um, mm-hmm. or we're talking about the business. So, you know, personal finance, sometimes I, I use this term that I call the broke millionaire. And the broke millionaire is somebody who <laughs> yes. earns a lot of money, but they don't really have a lot of wealth. And that can be true for a business that earns a lot of revenue, but after expenses, they don't, they're not profitable. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think one of the ways for entrepreneurs to really fast track their profitability is really be intentional about having a solid business plan. I really can't stress that enough. Um, and, and really leverage. Really, leverage is one of the most powerful things I think entrepreneurs can do because leverage really allows you to multiply the results you can create as an entrepreneur. And the and the best way to do that is to have a team. It's really impossible to do all the things we have to do as an entrepreneur by ourselves. So you really need to build a solid team. You need to leverage that team. So, you know, I talked before about finding a good accountant that makes you feel comfortable about talking about your business, who can explain your financial statements to you so you know whether or not you're profitable and what you need to do to become more profitable. Um, I had this one um one mentor that I worked with and and she was the one who talked to me about taking her accountant out for lunch to teach her what her financial statement said because they never seemed to could they couldn't make time in a regular day to do that and I think that's really really key Um, but also finding a good bookkeeper to keep you on top of your um, your expenses on a monthly basis to make sure you're tracking them properly to also make sure you're paying those those revenue candidate expenses on time sometimes business owners have said um, having a horrible bookkeeper could mean they're finding out that they haven't paid their GST on time and that was an expense they plan for their company. So having these people who are in your business working with you and, and making you making it easier for you to focus on your strength is so key. Having a good banker, because as your business grows, you want a banker who's going to give you the advice of, oh, you know what, your business is doing well now, let's extend your credit now while the sun is shining. Yes, so that if something yes. happens in the future. so and, and you need a really good financial planner that, as I said, will, will hold your feet to the fire to help you think through those financial decisions. Is this the right time to get a bigger house? Should I continue to live lean, um, you know, 
live modestly. I always recommend living modestly anyway. But, you know, <laughs> do you really want that, you know, car payment that's $1,000 a month, not including insurance and what have you? Let's, let's talk through and think through these things together. Jackie, um, you, you mentioned when you talked about the banker, you said make sure you get a good banker. When you talked about the bookkeeper, you said make sure you get a good bookkeeper. When you said about the accountant, make sure you get a good one. And, of course, back to you and your talent and being a financial planner, you said you make sure you get a great financial planner. So when I hear that, the word that comes to my head is interview. That's we right. We tend to go and interview potential employees, but we don't interview people like you just talked. So what are the questions that should be asked for someone that's going to, let's presume that you're going to get, and I know you will, because we're going to talk about how to connect with you in a bit. Right. You're going to get people that are going to call you up, connect with you and say, Jackie, I love the podcast. How do we make this all happen? What are the top three questions they should be asking you? I think they should ask, um, you know, how do you track how you're how I'm doing well what what's the process you're going to use to track how I'm mm -hmm. doing well so what's your process because I don't want to work with someone if I don't understand the process right the other thing is and it, and this is a, a top this is number two is you know what are the credentials what mm. credentials do they have mm -hmm. um, and what do those credentials mean in my industry DMP, right. there's all these different terms right they mean what licenses do they hold and explain to them what they mean and how they'll help and ask for references yeah so 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 and then and not, and not least which is trust uh, your gut if you cannot have a, a a conversation with them where you feel comfortable empowered with working with them ask yeah. yourself is that somebody you want to have a long, lifelong relationship with um that you're going to tell your financial so, secrets to because they really really need to feel like you can yeah to really get help. It's kind of like going to a lawyer and you're, you're, you're facing criminal charges and you're going yeah. to see a lawyer and you're not going to tell them the truth. Yeah. How yeah. can they help? Yeah. Not the way to do it. So let's, let's talk about the dark side of that because the other side is some people already have relationships with bankers, accountants and, and financial planners, but do you know what? They don't have a good relationship with them, but they think, they think it's hard to get out of that relationship to connect with good people like you. How does, is it, is it really easy? Is it just a matter of, you know, I fell in love with Jackie. I don't love you anymore. <laughs> so I want to hang out with Jackie now. Is it easy to make that transition? Yeah, 100%. It's your money and it's your life. Just like firing your accountant. I mean, all you really need to do is interview some people, ask them the questions I've said, and then you really just need to, You could, depending on the relationship, you can call them and say, I'm moving on. I really appreciated everything you done. You did for me. If you if you didn't have that kind of relationship, maybe it's an email. Mm. If you have your assets elsewhere, it's a question of the financial institution that you're dealing with, transferring it where you want it to go. So right. it it doesn't need to be a huge confrontation, and I and I know a lot of people feel, um, you know, this trepidation of, of moving yeah. on, a bad accountant or a bad advisor. And the end of the day, it's it's your money and it's your life. And you know, as I said, it's not an easy thing to be an entrepreneur. Like it takes so much focus, it takes so much time, it takes so much energy. And if you don't have a good team to leverage, then you're reducing the results, reducing the impact you could have in your own business. I love it. Um, thank you for allowing me to take in that dark side because I know a lot of people go through that experience and, and that trepidation that you referenced. And so uh, um, is there such a thing as a fast track to profitability? I, I think 
the only way you can fast track um, profitability is either you're on top of all the things I've just talked about or you leverage the people that you have to help right. you. Because, again, it's a lonely business being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, it's really hard to do everything on your own. I mean, just staying on top of payroll and HR. I mean, I'm, I'm just talking about the financial side of your business. But, you know, a lot of business owners I work with um, struggle with things like um, HR issues mm. and worrying about HR and worrying about, you know, just paying, um, paying themselves a salary, which I highly sure. recommend you do sooner than later. And just, right. just dealing with the challenges of the disruption in their industry. There's hardly any industry that's out there that hasn't been disrupted by technology um, or some other uh, competition that came out of nowhere. And just staying on top of the challenges of running a business is lots for an entrepreneur to do. And so, you know, I really can't talk about how important just having, you know, really good people that are going to help you run your business, um, having a, a really good trusted advisor that are going to champion those relationships yeah, right. on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, a, that's a good point. You shouldn't have to be the traffic cop to keeping all these people together, create the team, have the team go off and do their, do their magic and report to you. You're paying them, let them do their magic. So mm. I'll give you a really good example, uh, Rivers. Cool. Uh, uh, a, a really good friend of mine um, got chosen to be a Forbes advisor. I didn't right. realize that being a Forbes advisor means something like a half a million dollar commitment. Forbes will also come up with a half a million dollars, but you have to for them to, to you know, book you on all these tours, speaking tours, doing all of those things, right? So, you know, I'm sure you have a half a million dollars sitting around for someone like Forbes to help you, correct? Of course you do. Every business <laughs> yes, of course. Everyone, yeah. So, there you go. Glad you so, called. So after she got excited, she panicked. And then she called her accountant, she called her financial planner, she called her banker, they all had a meeting together and really hammered out how they were going to do this. And that's really what you want a team to do for you. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's very, very cool that you've uh, that we, we went down. I'm, I'm a believer that that um, that business is a team sport anyway. So you've got to wrap uh, you got to wrap the right people, do the interviews, fire them if they don't work. Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of. Uh, I don't know if you watch football at all, but I'm a big fan of. God no, <laughs> I have no idea what's happening. Well, one of my one lie. of my favorite coaches is Bill Belichick, and he does the uh, he look he looks after the uh, the New England Patriots. This guy fired a guy before the. Super Bowl because he thought that another player was going to bring more. So, you, you know, you got to run your business. You got to work after your business and your business will look after you. And, uh, and you've allowed us to, to really reinforce that messaging today. Um, Absolutely crucial. How does, Absolutely. how does someone get a hold of you, Jackie? What's uh you know, LinkedIn websites, uh, all that kind of stuff. Yep. So um, my handles are um, ask Jackie Porter on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty much all the same. Ask Jackie Porter on Facebook and ask Jackie Porter on LinkedIn. Right on. And what are, what are some questions people are asking you? You know, people uh, tend to, I find a lot of my clients um, like me. So you know how you were talking about CRA and Revenue Canada? I've been on my own. So I've been on my own since I was 16 and I've been having to run my financial circumstances since then. (laughs) So I've had two or three jobs starting my life. And so according to my accountant, I have the longest tax file in history. (laughs) And so so as a result of that, I have a really big passion around uh, taxes and, and, you know, paying my fair share and helping my clients 
to pay no more than their fair share of taxes. And so how I find I have a lot, I get a lot of clients, a lot of business owners asking me questions around how they can organize their affairs to pay less taxes. That's a big passion of mine as well. Yeah, that is so cool. Jackie, this has been a real thrill in uh, having this conversation. And because you've brought the taboo subject into uh, into play, money. Uh, and uh, just before you go, how, how would you recommend that family members bring the money conversation into talking around the dinner table with kids? You know, you know, that's actually a really good point. I think I think with when it comes to kids, it's all about first and foremost, um, communicating the values that you care about. Mm. So I think communicating values around money is crucial. Then um, helping kids to form really good habits. So, you know, giving them an allowance, showing them, you know, showing them the habit of putting away 10 percent of their money. you know, talking to them about charitable giving, because the studies show that giving actually makes people feel good. Yes. Um, and just so so reinforcing really good habits um, and showing them values, because the problem we have as entrepreneurs, even if we're the generation that makes the money, if we don't teach, if we don't talk about money in the household to get them smarter about money earlier, if we don't, you know, show them, give them values around money and, and really help them with habits, then the first generation will make the money and the second generation generation will lose the money. Mm. You see it over and again, over and over again in Canadian yeah. business history, you know, uh-huh. the money in second generation lost the money. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. When I did my master's in business, I did, um, I did a project on that exact topic about generational, uh, businesses and that's your 150%. And if it makes it to the third generation, it's definitely gone. It's, it's definitely gone at that point in time. So but, ask yeah, Jackie, sorry, I, go I ahead. Just say, but, but talking about money is really important because, you know, the problem is in a lot of cultures, money gets a really bad rep. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? We, mm-hmm. we hear a lot of unproductive myths around money and, and, you know, a lot of them have to do with scarcity, greed, selfishness, and so on. And I and I think to demystify that and to demystify some of the unspoken havoc that causes on people when they don't talk about money, it means that they usually want to avoid the subject altogether. It's really, really important to have those conversations, especially with kids, earlier and earlier. Um, Just so I, we can change that. Yeah, no, and you're absolutely, you create those foundational pieces. I, uh, I, I hate the fact in the school systems that businesses are regarded as greedy and individuals and uh you know the entrepreneurship class is in the back of the uh, school rather than at the Crazy. front of the school it's nuts and so i I'm, I'm encouraged to do i'm encouraged with this conversation because we're we're talking about that particular foundational piece which can can add into some really cool things generationally what's the, what's your favorite go-to book uh, you know what? I really enjoyed, and I think this is a nice, easy read for uh, entrepreneurs. I really like you're a badass at making money. <laughs> you're a badass at making money. It's called You're a Badass at Making Money. I really love that book. I also yeah. like um, the, the book of Scaling Up. Those are two really good books that I'd yeah. recommend. So You're a Badass at Making Money is such a fun read. Honestly, you can read it in a weekend. 
Oh, Jackie, I'm so going to get this book after that conversation. <laughs> this conversation. Thank you so much for your time. I made a promise to you at the beginning of this conversation. I am one minute away from fulfilling that con- that commitment to you from a time perspective. You're awesome. You're a rock star. Ask Jackie Porter, and uh, I look forward to meeting you face to face and uh, having a coffee or uh, or a glass of wine or something. Because you're a fun person, but you're also doing great impact. Thank you so much. Well, I love. I love it. Thank you so much, Rivers. I, I like to call myself Canada's financial confidant. So feel <laughs> love free. It. Love it. I will for sure, my friend. Have a super day. You too. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 